0: Yes, I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of Crosscut Maker Podcast. And if you have been paying attention, I think this might be number 18, 17 or 18. This is, I pretty much just do eschatological updates on the podcast now. Current events slash eschatological updates were uh, on my ministry and broad sense. Crosscut Maker, you can pretty much find me on any social media. I do all kinds of topical theology and things, but on the podcast I do eschatological updates, and I did one a couple of weeks ago, and the the main issue was that we were still, I think, about three or four days before it was going to be official that Prime Minister Netanyahu was going to be out, and Prime Minister Naftali Bennett was going to be in, and so I, I thought, and I have thought this for several years now, ever since I started doing the, uh, really paying attention to what's been going on. I have thought that Netanyahu was a person who could not be in, in in the leadership office of Israel at the time that the tribulation agreement is uh, confirmed. Because I have always thought that he was just the opposite politically, um, personally, and just everything about him. Just I just thought there's just no way. Now, of course, the Lord can work out his sovereign plan through anybody he wants to. And so I always thought that too. I'm like, well, if the Lord wants to if it's the Lord's will that Netanyahu would be the one to make the tribulation agreement, then then that's what will happen. But just on a human level, I thought that's, that's one of the big puzzle pieces I thought was still in play that needed to change as all the other things that are coming to pass have advanced. And if you want to see the summary that I do on the, uh, end-of-the-age indicators. I have that at a website called eoa-indicators.simplesite.com It's S-I-M-P-L-E-S-I-T-E is the last word there. .com And so I have those those seven seven or eight indicators, major indicators that we are indeed approaching the the end-of-the-age now. Um, As I've said many times, is that you cannot you, nobody can know the day of the rapture. So anybody ever tells you they know the day of the rapture, or even the season of the rapture, or even the month of the, or the year, or anything, any date setting at all, when it comes to the rapture, you cannot know that. Scripture teaches that it is a that a day and hour nobody knows. So anybody ever sets a date, then you shouldn't listen to what much else of what they have to say. But I do think Scripture teaches you can see the season. And how I think you can see the season is what you can see... You can't see when the rapture is going to happen. That's an imminent, signless advent, uh, event. But what happens after the the rapture? You is not going to happen. All you know, it's it, you can see a build up to that and to what would happen in the tribulation period. And I got those eight points there about how, um, uh, if I can think of off the top of my head, that Israel's a nation number one. They're in uh, desiring peace agreement, which is absolutely humongous right now. Number two. Uh, number three, a call for global government. That's The coronaviruses just absolutely exploded that. It was already building before that, but that really has accelerated that. Um, four, a call for unified one world religion, and that's being led by Pope Francis, and we have a little bit of uh, news on that coming up. And number five, Turkey, Iran, and Russia, all growing, growing in power and growing in aggression towards Israel, because it's part of a... a, a end times war that I do believe happens in the tribulation period. Towards the end of the first half of it. And um, uh, technology. the, The mark of the beast and total government control. You'd have to have technology for that. and We obviously have technology for that. We have had it for a while, but we certainly have it now. There is no such thing as privacy anymore. And lastly, but not least, is a desire for Israel for the third temple. And I do think Bennett is a kind Of a uh, as important in one regards to that issue, so those are the seven major super signs that I think that that are all converging right now. That I do believe we are rapidly heading towards the tribulation period. And if so, if so, and I am right, on, if if I am right on the timing of the rapture, and I've I've said this many times too, I'm not a hundred percent sure that on a pre trib rapture, I am about 95 percent pre trib rapture where the rapture would be happened before the tribulation period and I think it actually would be the the uh, event that causes the environment that creates the finally put converges everything else together and I'm about two or three percent mid-trib happened at the midpoint of the tribulation period and then I'm whatever's left at the end of the tri- post-trib at the very end of the tribulation period but regardless if you know, if I'm right on the if I am the 95% pre-trib if that is correct then then if you can see the tribulation period approaching through the events that would build up to it, then it's, then obviously we would have to be close to the rapture of the church if that happened before that. Again, that, it, I stop way short of even saying you know, any kind of a time frame on these things because one thing I've learned it's a glorious thing that the Lord does that I do see things very clearly leading this way. Almost impossible for this to turn around in my opinion. But I also understand the Lord does things his way according to his knowledge and his will and could he could this stretch out longer than I think it already has to be honest and I wouldn't i thinking last year in the middle of 2020 with everything going on I was thinking I wasn't thinking at the end of you know I was thinking we wouldn't even see 21 again that's short of day setting you know I just thought we're right here now. So it could stretch out for it could stretch out for quite a bit of time, or it could be something that to happens tomorrow. We, again, I'm not ever going to set any kind of time frame on it, but I do think it's accelerating towards it, and I do think it's, it's accelerating hard now. And but regardless, I thought the one piece that was significant was that Netanyahu had to be. If you followed my podcast or my updates on social media. I said this a couple years ago, every time they have an election, you know, they've had four in the last two years, I said, I'm not surprised Net- that Israel will have another election because I don't believe Netanyahu will be or can be the one who makes the tribulation agreement, so I thought he'd have to be out. And, of course, he survived and survived and survived. And then, finally, this weekend, for the first time in 12 years, he officially, they officially have a new prime minister. Now, of course, Netanyahu's pledging to dissolve this government. He's already filed motions and everything else. But the, it's significant, the fact that he's not prime minister, and I doubt that he ever will be again. Um, and so I posted a few things, but, it, but the big point here, as I said, and I, as we talked about in the last podcast, is I said I'd make another one when it became official. Well, it's been a week, but it is official. Our prime minister is no longer Benjamin Netanyahu, it is Naftali Bennett. And I do think that's significant. Again, not necessarily because their politics are not all that different in fact, some people say that he's harder right than, than Netanyahu is. I just thought, personality-wise, Netanyahu couldn't be the guy. And also, this is a unity government. This is not a right-wing coalition that Netanyahu would lead. This is a unity government, and so there's more balance there. And also, I think, with Bennett, an interesting thing is that he has made comments about the Third Temple, and he is more of a religious Jew than Netanyahu is. And so that that brings that aspect into it. Um, so I, again, I just thought just the fact that Netanyahu is no longer prime minister, I do think, is a humongous jump towards the tribulation period. Again, the Lord knows when and how much longer he'll stretch this out, or what will happen. But I do think that it is now that it is official that he is out and Bennett is in, it is a a very monumental. Piece of the puzzle towards tribulation advancement uh, a couple other things this is going to be a relatively brief update uh, Biden did his world tour and you know went to the G7 with the NATO and met with Putin and it just confirms what everybody knows already is that he's not a nationalist he's a globalist and he pretty much wants to have he endorses globalism and that's not a, a new thing that comes from the administration that he was the vice president in that they have globalistic Obama had the same thing. so but his world tour was basically all about that and uh, also um, as I mentioned earlier that um, there was a I think I mentioned this on the last podcast about the yeah the, the house of one ecumenical building to be built in Germany that was last podcast I mentioned that but also I heard an update on the Abrahamic the Abraham. House of Abraham, I think is what it's called, and that they're building in, in Saudi Arabia. And it's kind of very similar to that. It's like the three Abrahamic faiths. You have a church there. You know, have a uh, mosque and you have a synagogue. And they they're, it's getting built. And that's, that's actually due out in 2022. So that actually could get finished before, you know, things radically change. But I thought it was interesting as well. And of course, Pope Francis has got his fingerprints all over it. But they named the church, which is it's not going to be a church, by the way. It's it's an apostate, false church. But they, they're going to call this so-called church St. Francis, of course, after Pope Francis. So I thought that was interesting. And if you've read anything I've written, or if you have heard me talk, is I, you know, again, I don't like to tag names to... Antichrist prophet, you know, false prophet and things like that. But, boy, and I've heard and this is I'm not the only one with this opinion that if if we are very close to the tribulation period, it's almost it's almost very unlikely there would be anybody but Pope Francis because he fits the bill so well. He's the one pressing towards the unified one world religion already and has been for years. And so uh, the one thing that always kind of holds me back on Pope Francis actually fulfilling that prophecy. He might though. Again, if I had, to, if somebody said you got to guess, well, of course he would be the very top candidate. But his his age and his health, you know, uh, seven year tribulation period is first off, it's seven years. But second off, the first you, you got to survive the, you know, it's the very da- most dangerous time period in history. And so I've always thought, well, if the only reason I wouldn't be almost dogmatic on him being the false prophet is because of his age, but other than that, boy, he does fit the bill with what he believes. And uh, so we'll see. But anyway, he's got that going on, and that that the house of Abraham is set to finish next year. But they've got, I think, twenty percent of it built now. But I thought it was interesting. They named the false church that's going to be there after him. False Christ. That's what he is. I'm not, he's not the Antichrist. I don't. I believe the Antichrist will be a political figure. All right, and finally, the uh, I just saw this yesterday, or maybe it was this morning, that the Palestinian Authority and the United States are looking to advance the peace talks again with the new government. Now, that, in, in particular, they're looking to to negotiate more with Lapid and Gantz. Now, that Lapid is the one who formed the coalition, and he will be the second prime minister in two years, Lord Terry's. And uh, so he's the prime minister waiting, and then Benny Gantz is the defense... I don't know if they call him secretary, but um, he's the leader of the defense there, which he was under Netanyahu, so he just kept the same spot. And so he's, this, which is convenient because he's been the one kind of doing the military things. And uh, on a side note, they, it seems like Netanyahu's policies of, I mean, the, the, this week, they've had the ceasefire going on for a couple of weeks now, and there really hasn't been any major breach of it. Then they had Flag Day where the Jews marched in celebration of the unification of Jerusalem in 67. And of course, there was there was these that what they do is they uh, fill these balloons up and they have fire underneath them and they launch them over and they land them in Israel and they sets fires on fields and things and then Israel will bomb something in the Gaza Strip, typically a benign target, not like what they were doing a couple of weeks ago in the conflict. So that little tit for tat, been going on for decades, is continuing now. It happened a couple times this week, and so that might accelerate. But it does seem like he's carrying on with uh, Netanyahu's policies on the defense side of it with Gaza's trip and and whatnot, but also I think a lot of that is because of Benny Gantz is still in play as the defense secretary, if that's what they call him. But so I, that makes sense to me because they're more centrist. Lapid and Gantz are more centrist than Bennett. Like I mentioned earlier, Bennett is actually maybe even more right wing than, than Netanyahu. And so they're probably thinking, all right, we'll do most of the negotiating with Lapid and Gantz, and then, then you can convince Bennett later on, which again, I'm just kind of speculating here a little bit, a little bit, a lot, is what I could see happening. Again, here, the hidden accelerant. To the tribulation period, to the to, to the agreement that actually does trigger it is the rapture of the church, in my opinion. So I think you got to you can't factor that in. In a, in a but it, it's um, so these things are going forward, but the Lord is going to get involved directly and accelerate things with that global cataclysmic event. It'll be like a flood, like the Noahic flood kind of impact, a worldwide event that will change everything in the twinkling of an eye. So you can't, you can't really factor in how that's going to accelerate it to the tribulation agreement. But setting that aside even, I could see how where theoretically you'd have these negotiations going on with Gantz and Lapid and getting a lot done. But you still need the prime minister to sign on to this. And where I think he would be swayed is the way I thought I thought for a long time where... Israel will sign this agreement and surrender. I believe they're going to surrender their military or their def- the defense of their country to this man who they trust to, to take care of them. That's just the way it seems to me in scripture, where they basically are, you know, turning over their security to this man. And how would that happen? And how what would be the, the big piece of the puzzle that would get Israel to sign on to this? And you know, there may be a two-state solution, you know, which Bennett. Doesn't want, and there's other things that are just Israel won't won't go for. But what would be the big big carrot, in my opinion, especially now that Bennett is prime minister, it would be the third temple. They would get permission, and they and I believe it has to be part of the agreement if it doesn't happen before the tribulation period. It, I think it will be part of that agreement. So you'd have this all this negotiation going on, but you still couldn't sell Bennett. But where he would sign on is because again he's a religious Jew and he would love to have a Third Temple, and that offer would be given and he would he would accept it, and then the the agreement would be signed, and the tribulation period would begin. Again, i that's setting aside the the effect of the rapture, but I'm just that's kind of way I'm thinking right now is that it doesn't surprise me at all that that the peace agreements are, or the peace talks are picking up again. And because, again, people don't want it to go back the way it was a couple weeks ago. Everybody knows that this is just one one little event. One little, uh, one, uh, you know, Israeli policeman treating a Palestinian too harshly, and then all of a sudden, boom, you got rockets flying, and you got, you got bombs getting dropped on buildings again. And everybody knows it's just a hair-trigger away. The ceasefire is, is almost laughable, but it's a... Uh, You know, at least it's holding from major conflict. But everybody knows that can come back in a heartbeat. And so people want to get something done while the ceasefire is on. And I do think that people are a little bit more optimistic maybe with uh, the new government because, like I said, uh, uh, while Bennett is right and conservative, he... The unity government, I believe, has set aside some things that Netanyahu was seeking, like annexation and things like that, that were very, uh, uh, set. you know, set the peace process back quite a bit. And I think this unity, not Bennett in particular himself individually, but just the, the part of the agreement was, okay, we got, or you wouldn't have got the agreement signed, where you're like, All right, certain things we just have to set aside, and, and that would be one of them. And so... I think that they're thinking that this unity government would be more apt, even though their prime minister, the new prime minister, might be as conservative, if not more than Netanyahu, that the government in large would be a lot more open and flexible to be able to maybe do the two-state solution or whatever else there is. Um, and again, we're not even factoring in the Abraham Accords and how that would all tie into it. But I definitely see how that was a pretty you know, that's pretty significant to hear that there are pursuing now aggressively the United States and other nations with this new government in trying to advance the peace talks. So those are significant events. Uh, like I said, I think that that uh, it's, it's mind-boggling the age that we live in and the, the, the things that we, we can see and what's approaching. And I, you know I got to constantly remind myself of this. And I remind everybody else is that it's real easy, especially somebody who really is interested in these things. And you probably wouldn't be listening to these thing this podcast if you weren't interested in this. Is it easy to get wrapped up in the details and the wrapped up in the Antichrist and the false prophet and the Ezekiel war and all these other things? It's very easy to do that and to forget that the Book of Revelation is not ultimately about the Antichrist. It's about the revelation of Jesus Christ, and so. We got to keep our focus on Him, and every single. And there again, I think it's absolutely uh, a righteous thing to pay attention to uh, the season of the Lord's return. I think it's a commanded, if not that we we are commanded to know, to be able to see this coming. But there's always an additional call to be alert, to be holy, to be you know found righteous. You know all these commands that the the response of Seeing this, any time that you know, throughout the church history, everybody was to live as if the Lord was going to return the next day and take the church, and especially now that you can actually really see that this is a very this is a possible very likely I hate to say that because again, Lord knows that our call is to be alert, to be serving the Lord, to be evangelistic, to be just you know doing things, and if anything, it should accelerate that. But I found myself as somebody who I believe I'm, the Lord has called me to this ministry to uh, notice these. You know, he's begin, given me an uh, understanding of, of how this has fallen together to some degree. And I do believe that it's a ministry that he wants me to do. Yet, I will confess that just paying attention to the news and paying attention to things, it just can so fast suck you into all you're thinking about is, the tribulation period and the stage setting and you know, this and that. And it's very easy to become all eschatological. And so I fight that every single week, knowing though that there's no way I'm gonna turn back on this ministry now because like I always say, it seems like we are, I'm more convinced every week than I am or more, the next podcast, last podcast, the next podcast I'm always more convinced that we are approaching the end of the age. So that's what I have when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, the eschatological update and I always close with a 30 second gospel presentation because again, you know, part of what I do here is to plant seeds that people will hear certain things. And the biggest thing I try and pass on, Or leave in somebody's mind when talking about eschatology is the seven-year peace agreement because it's very easy to remember, and that's that's the 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 tribulation period begins then, you know. Again, you know, of course, the rapture of the church people are going to notice that it's not going to be a secret. Some people mock the rapture by saying a secret return of Christ, so it's not going to be secret. It's going to be very, very. The world's going to know something very significant just happened. Like I said, it's going to throw the world into chaos. But the seven-year peace agreement. Is the with Israel is something that is very easy to remember. It's very you know seven year and nation of Israel peace agreement that you know like if you if you're around on this planet and you see that occur you just entered the tribulation period. So I plant seeds again, knowing that the Lord has to open a person's heart, and you're not saved by believing. There's a that you entered the tribulation period. You're saved by believing in Jesus Christ, believing that He's God incarnate, and trusting in His finished work. So I understand that, but again, I, the Lord can use all kinds of things to say, oh yeah, you know what, you know, to open a heart to believe in Jesus because they had heard uh, some seeds about what's to come biblically and maybe they would look into the scriptures to find out where it came from and who knows where the Lord would do it. But I always end with a, with a but that, that is truly the primary motivation is to warn people what's coming and then when it, you know, assuming it does in the near future, then people would be able to have heard or have read that this was approaching and hopefully the Lord would use that to draw them to Christ. But I close with a 30-second biblical gospel presentation. One day we will all face the one true and living holy God. You need to have your sins forgiven and be reconciled to Him before that occurs. And that only happens biblically by repentance and that is confessing your sinfulness and hopelessness from your heart to God in faith, believing the gospel. The gospel is the person and work of Jesus Christ. The person that He's truly man and the one true God. You have to believe that. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is God. There's only one God, and He's God. He's also he, He's also truly man. Um, and trusting only in His redemptive work. He, he lived without sin. He died on a cross for the sins of sinners, and He raised Himself from the dead for your salvation. So there's the, you put your, and that's what you see repentance and faith work hand in hand, where if you recognize your hopelessness before God because of your sin, you're going to want to trust in and to claim the work of Christ on your behalf. And that's what saving faith is. You claim the work of Christ for you. you truly believe it and you truly want it. Because you know you need it and you do. If you genuinely do this, you will be instantly and permanently covered by the righteousness of Christ His perfect life will be given to you or credited to you. And He will have been treated as if He committed all of your past, present, and future sins while on the cross. So when He was on the cross during the three hours of darkness from noon to three, this everything went black. I believe that's when the judgment of God the Father fell on Him for the sins of people who had and would believe in Him. So if you do believe in Him, if you put your trust and faith in Him, then that's why your sins are forgiven, because He was treated as if He committed every single particular sin you've ever committed or ever will commit, past, present, future, all of it, forgiven, because He was He took the judgment that, for that for you. If you believe, so again, you have to believe. If you refuse the offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be judged according to your works, and unless you have lived without even one sin, like Christ, will end in eternal conscious condemnation. And therein lies the issue that will crush any kind of moralism, any kind of an idea that, well, I know I'm not perfect, but I do a lot of good things and, uh, you know, I can always find somebody worse than me. Scripturally, that's not going to get you off the hook. Scriptural salvation is, God requires sinless righteousness. Perfect. Perfect righteousness. So even if you theoretically sin one time, and it's laughable. In thought, word, or deed, you would be damned to hell forever for that one sin. Again, all an unbeliever does is sin. Even the good things that an unbeliever does is done for a heart that denies the God who created them and is sustaining them and they do it for their own glory instead of God's glory. So you can see right there it makes the good deed wicked. It makes the good deed selfish. So there is no good deeds for an unbeliever. There are worse deeds than you know, other deeds, but there are no good deeds, not one, for an unbeliever. So I pray this has been beneficial to you, and again, as I always close out each of these podcasts, I never know which one's going to be my last. Maybe, maybe the church will be gone after this one. Maybe I'll have 50 more to go. But I, in the meantime, I just, unless something significant happens, I'll probably wait a couple weeks, maybe, like I've been, you know, the reason I did a couple more Recently, every, what, 10 days or so is because of the Israeli politics I thought was absolutely significant. And now that that's kind of settled, you know, I just kind of will wait until enough things can accumulate. Or if something significant happens, then I will make another podcast. But outside of that, it'll probably be a couple weeks or so. But I thank you for tuning in. And until next time, may Christ be known.